watch this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil of Detail. Paul, uh, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond. Hey Rob, yeah, certainly am. Certainly am. It's been another busy week, hasn't it, for our sporting sides. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to chatting about it with you. Yeah, so we'll start uh, with a football Paul and uh, Manchester City they beat Leeds 4-0 in the latest uh, round of games in the the challenge, uh, the championship running between Liverpool great result for Pep's men that away from home yeah it, it was I mean it could have been a potential uh, sort of banana skin that going away to, to, from home to Ellen Road they've just got a new sort of manager in recent weeks haven't they Leeds and you know uh, sometimes it can be yeah, not got probably not got a right to play for Leeds. Those games can be difficult, can't they, for you sometimes, especially following Liverpool. Liverpool had won in the early early kickoff, so they just gone to the top. So you, you you're chasing a bit then, aren't you? And the pressure's on you to get a result. But they um they, they, they did a good job, didn't they, Manchester City? They never looked in any sort of danger at all. I mean it was quite a bad tempered game, the bits and pieces I saw of it, but they came through unscathed and a thoroughly professional performance, you know, to, to win uh, as emphatically as they did. You know, Leeds never really got near them, did they? It was, uh, you know, a proper champions sort of performance, really. And as the games are counting down now, it's going to be difficult, I think, for Liverpool to, to catch Manchester City. You can't see Manchester City slipping up and losing many points. But no, an excellent result away from home. Yeah, Liverpool were away at Newcastle, won one nil. Can a game that wins you a championship when you go to Newcastle and sneak a win? Yeah, well, as I say, both sides, it'd be difficult to see them dropping points now going going forward. I mean, they're both in an excellent form, aren't they? And talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he was telling me that they'd, I think they they got this, a very similar amount of points over mm. the last two seasons. You know, they'd, they'd only dropped so many points, and it was, it was sort of neck and neck, really. And, you know, you look at the two teams, and there's, there's nothing between them. There's a tissue paper between them. So, you know, it, it, that as soon as someone, if they do, drop a point or get a draw, then that could hand the title to the other team. So, um, so it's going to be very exciting to see how it goes. It's nip and tuck, isn't it, now? And, you know, one one wrong move and um, you could be giving it away. So uh, so hopefully for, for our region, the Manchester City keep going and they, uh, and they get there because I think uh, they, they probably deserve it this season. But having said that, Liverpool have been tremendous as well. Since Jurgen Klopp went there to Liverpool, I think their mentality as a club has, has totally changed. They're very, very professional now and, you know, they, they, they'd make good champions as well, really, wouldn't they? So, uh, so it's going to be fascinating to see how it, how it pans out in the next uh, couple of weeks. Obviously, when when a running comes in for the the Premier League uh, title, do you think history comes into it? Obviously, Liverpool, uh, you know, going for you know won plenty of titles through the years. Aren't this City kind of new to this game? Um, does does that factor come into play? Um, well, I, I think for Manchester City, a lot of those players at Manchester City have, have, have won titles, haven't they? So mm. they've got that to to, to sort of um, look back on. With Liverpool, it's um, it's been a long time really since they've won a lot of sort of championships, you know, back in the, the sort of 80s. But yeah, they, they got one a couple of years ago, didn't they? But, you know, some of their players are probably new to, to, to winning these big trophies and what have you. But I think, I think players are professional now, aren't they? And, um, you know, they, they they know they've got a good manager behind there and a good system at both Liverpool and Manchester City. They're very, very professional, both the, the setups they've got there. And it, it, I think, as I said, there's, there's nothing between those two sides. And it just is now a case of... Can Manchester City just keep winning 
and there's going to be a microscope on every single game now, isn't there? You know, just one false move and you, you draw a game and I think you could end up giving the title away. That's how tight it is. So, um, so yeah, I fancy Manchester City. I, I think Pep's got them in a good place at the moment, the way they play. And you, know, you go back to that Leeds game there, they won that at a canter really, whereas Liverpool, I'm not saying they struggled at Newcastle, but you know it was only 1-0. It was uh, you know one mistake there and, and you ended up drawing the match. Manchester City looked a lot more professional in their performance and seemed to be scoring goals from all over the park at the moment. So I'd, I'd have them down as favourites, but it's a very, very, it's going to go to a fault to finish, I think, in this one. It's going to go right down to the wire, right down to the last game. It'll be one of those people will be in the stand with the radios up, they're listening <laughs> to see how each team's going. So I think that's how it's going to end up. Yeah, obviously, looking at the fixtures, Paul, uh, for both sides, City have Newcastle at home, then they have Wolves away, then they have West Ham away, and then they have Villa at home. Looking at that run of fixtures there, who, what do you think is the most difficult game? Well, I think West Ham's going to be a tough game. Yeah. You know, West Ham are up sort of the, the, the top end of the table, aren't they? And they're battling for points. I know they were beaten at the weekend and it's probably tailed off a bit. I mean, Arsenal beat them and they've sort of come on leaps and bounds, haven't they, in the last month or two? Arsenal from nowhere, really. They were having a struggling season, but they seem to be one of the form sides. Um, so I'd say West Ham would be a tough game. I think any games, really. You know, Newcastle, they're, they're rebuilding, aren't they, really? And mm-hmm. have spent a bit of cash and. They've come home with a bit of a wet sail in the, in the second half of the season. So you can't really write any of those sides off. They're, they're all going to be tough, aren't they? I mean, sometimes you'll you'll have a side going for promotion or going for a championship and they'll go away to a, a team who's mid-table, got nothing to play for. And that team, the shackles are off really, aren't they? And they, 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 they just play with... Um, I, I mean, just think back a few years ago, I think, did City play QPR when they won the... The, the league and, and QPR came to, to City and had nothing to play for in that match and City were, were going for the title and they played pretty well didn't they and, and almost beat City and, and they had nothing on it so sometimes that, that side can be dangerous can't they because they play with a bit of freedom and sort of relax a bit so um, and, and the pressure's on you you've got to perform and you've got to win but as I said Pep Guardiola knows the ins and outs of it doesn't he's been in this situation so many times before so I would say he'd have his players up for it and as I've said on this show many times before, Manchester City under Pep are like a well-oiled machine, aren't they? A winning machine. You know, they don't seem to give much, much away at all, do they? So I'd be surprised if they, they drop any points, you know, towards the end of the season now this running. For me, the, I think the bogey game, you talk about West Ham, but I think they did lose today, I think, at Arsenal, didn't they? So they yeah. might be on the slide. For me, it's going to be Wolves. Wolves are always a tricky team. Away from home, you know, if, if I'm looking down this fixture list, your own games against Newcastle and, and Villa are bankers. Like you said, West Ham will be tricky, but Wolves is going to be the, banana, the potential banana skin for Man City. If you can get through that, then I think they'll they'll get to win the championship. Looking at Liverpool's uh, fixtures, Paul, uh, they play Spurs at home, then they play Villa away, then they play Southampton away, and then they play Wolves at home. What scares you about that running? Uh, probably your away games. It's probably your away games. I mean, sides are going to raise the game, aren't they? I mean, just talking mm. about Wolves there, I mean, they're a side that have, have done really well, haven't they, the last few seasons, coming to the Premiership and sort of consolidating themselves. But they've sort of alarmingly gone off the rails a bit I think in the last few months I'm sure they were beaten again at the weekend so their form's really dipped but then again 
that could be a tough game because you know you want to finish the season on a high and what a high that would be to beat either Liverpool or Manchester City so as you say that could be a tough game for both Liverpool and City so so yeah I, I think with Liverpool the away games they, they don't lose many at home Liverpool they don't drop many points they don't concede many goals at home so and the same in Man City it's, it's difficult to go and get a result at the Etihad you know City play with so much freedom there and you can't see either team losing a home game. So I think if they're going to drop points, it could be in one of those away matches. Yeah, obviously I'm looking down here. I'm thinking Villa away. Steven Gerrard, Liverpool legend, coaching Villa. You know, he could technically take the title away from Liverpool's grafts with a with a victory there for Villa. Southampton away, they're always a bit tricky, Southampton. But like you say, getting towards the end of the season, home games are bankers, aren't they? So, you know, if, if both teams go... Are on a on a winning run, and neither of them uh, lose, ends up being at City's title. Yeah, certainly does. And just just echoing what you said there about Stephen Gerrard, football sometimes throws up these sort of conundrums, doesn't it? You know, Stephen Gerrard, sort of part of Liverpool folklore, really. And yeah, as you say, he could end up being uh, the the downfall of their of their title. How, how sort of ironic and, and strange would that be, really? So, but no sport does have a tendency to to throw up these scenarios sometimes, doesn't it? But yeah, I, I can see a situation where both sides win all the matches and obviously that'll do Manchester City won't because they'll be that one point in front. So I, I can see that happening. But, you know, I'm sure there'll be more twists and turns and more excitement. But I think it's great when you have got the, these title races where there's more than one team involved because we had it before where a team won it at a canter. But it's a lot more exciting when you've got two sides going for it or, or even more than that sometimes because you don't quite know which way it's going to go. And I think it'd be great if it goes down to the last game and it, it gives people people the excitement and does it especially your neutrals as well and the games are on the television so it'll be good to see how it goes and hopefully as I said before from our perspective being Salford Radio and our local side Manchester City they they get the uh, the title yeah looking at the other end of the of the Premier League Paul Everton uh, despite beating Chelsea are still in the bottom three they've got a game in Andover Leeds um, who Man City beat at weekend Burnley who won at weekend I think at Watford away they're in 16th place so it's kind of like between them three teams who stays up what do you think? To be honest with you, I can see Burnley staying up. I think their form's been absolutely outstanding the last few weeks. Haven't they won the last mm. three matches? Yeah. They're, they're in really good form, really good winning form. And Turf Moor's always a tough place to go, isn't it? It was disappointing to see you know, Sean Dyche get the bullet there because he'd he'd been there for a long time, hasn't he? And, and done a good job. But whatever's gone on since he's left, whether the players are sort of playing for him now he's left I'm not. he couldn't work both ways that situation I'm, I'm not sure I'm not a Burnley expert but I like to see them do well they're a good uh, good Lancashire club uh, Everton am I right in saying they've never been relegated from the top flight yeah yeah so it'd be it'd be strange to see them them go down I mean I don't know. They've had a, had quite a bit of success, haven't they, over the last couple of decades? You know, especially with David Moyes was there, a real solid side, weren't they? And even the people who followed on after that, so they're always sort of in and around Europe and the top half of the table. So that'd be strange to see them go. But the way I saw Leeds against Manchester City at the weekend, they could be the side that fall, you know, through the trapdoor. I mean. If you look earlier on in the season, they, they weren't doing too bad. They're one of those sides that's been sucked into, haven't they? Just because of the, the form that they're in, you know, real poor form and conceding lots of goals. So they could be the side that falls through the trap door at the end of the season. But it's going to, again, it's going to be fascinating at the bottom end of the table. You've got sides there who are, who are absolutely desperate, panicking for points. So, um, so we'll see how it all unfolds. But I think Leeds are probably my, uh, my favourite for the drop. 
Yeah, I'd say that because obviously when you've got form, especially in relegation battles, you can nick a quick, uh, sort of a late goals, can't you? I think Everton escaped yeah. relegation in the mid nineties by beating Wimbledon three two and scored three goals in like the last sort of five minutes to to, to to sort of keep them up one year under Joe Royal. So there is experience of the club uh, escaping relegation. Leeds are a bit of a yo-yo side, uh, biggest football team in Yorkshire really really do deserve a place in the Premier League being the top division you nearly need a sort of a Yorkshire sort of team in there I don't know and it's like it's interesting to see um like you said who stays up Burnley always the uh the underdog always managed to escape relegation um but if they do it's always going to be the highest skin of the teeth this year hey certainly uh, Burnley are a club I admire though I mean you look at the sort of the the, the financial restraints Burnley have. I mean, they don't have a massive stadium. They fill it most weeks, don't they? But what are you talking about? 20,000 there at Turf Moor. Mm. So the, the the budget they must be on, I mean, I don't know how, how their finances are. I don't think they have like a massive financial backer. So how they compete with the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea and Manchester City and Liverpool, it's unbelievable, really, the, the, the job they've done there. I mean, I can remember not that long ago when they were in the, the sort of the lower league, you know, third division and they've done tremendously well. So I'd like to see, see Burnley uh, to stay up really. Um, as you say, Leeds, they're a big club, aren't they? You know, um, they won a lot of trophies over the years and, and they have, they've been a, a yo-yo club for a while now. I can remember them, you know, in the Champions League in the early 2000s, they got the semi-final, I think, didn't they? So, you know, under David O'Leary, they were a, Good side, wasn't it? A lot of good players come through there, young players and and what have you. But uh, and they spent a lot of money as well, didn't they? If you think back, you know, like of Rio Ferdinand and people like that going there, Mark Baduca and Jonathan Woodgate. But uh, that seems a, a long time ago now, doesn't it? Since then, they have been a bit of a yo-yo club, haven't they? Spent an awful long time in the in the Championship and what have you. I'm not too sure who the the sides are in the Championship who are coming up. Is it? I think Forest are then around the playoffs and Sheffield United are they up there? I'm not too sure who's in the playoffs. Who's been? Have we found it? Who's been promoted yet, or has it not um, been decided? I can find out for you in a minute, Paul. I think there's a few games left, isn't it? Because I, I noticed that the weekend League One, I think, has finished, hasn't it? But League Two has still had a couple of games left, and I think the Championship has still got a few games. Left. I know Wigan Athletic have got promoted back to the Championship in uh, League from League One, but uh, I wasn't too sure about the Championship. I think, I think there's still a few games left. Um... Let's have a look. So, Championship, uh, Fulham atop, Bournemouth for second. Think Fulham are up with 87 points. Bournemouth for second with 82. And then in the playoff places, Knott's Forest at 79, Huddersfield 79, Luton 72, Sheffield United 72, and Middlesbrough with 70. So, look at that. You think Bournemouth uh, have sort of Premier League experience. They went down, was it last year? Not mm-hmm. Forest since have, have been sort of down in the doldrums since Brian Clough, aren't they? So for them to be in within three points of coming up automatically is a fantastic effort then. Hopefully, you know, as I like I like Not Forest. Right? They were always I remember when they went do go down, when they did go down, that all you, all people you say were too too good to go down. And they were the first team that actually went down and were too good. And it's took them, what, 20, 25 years, I think, to, to get back to within sort of spitting distance of the, of the Premier League. So you're hoping that, that they might be able to get there this time. They've been down a long time, haven't they? Yeah, and I can remember, I can vaguely remember them. I think United beat me 8-0, I think. I can remember that because I remember coming home from, I've been to a Man City game against Millwall and got on the bus and the bus driver said to us, 
Man United have just won eight nil against Nottingham Forest. I'm not sure whether it was an away as well. I can't remember now, but I remember it being a thumping. And I think that's more, more or less the last time they was in the Premier League, and that's that's going back a long time now, maybe late nineties, something like that. So yeah, they they're a side that's um, you know always sort of got big crowds, haven't they? And uh, and been been in and around the, the Championship, and they've been down maybe once or twice to the league below that. But no, big side, big side in the East Midlands there. And you mentioned a few more sides there: Huddersfield Town, who mm. been up, haven't they, in the Premier League? Sheffield United, they're another side that always seems to get big attendances. Along with Sheffield Wednesday as well. That's you know the Steel Cities, yeah. you know football there's massive, isn't it, for those two? But Sheffield United have, have been away for it for a while, haven't they? Now and there's another team who I always keep an eye out for is Sunderland. You know, in the, they're in League One, aren't they? And I've noticed yeah. they've got into the playoffs. I'd like to see them come back up because you know they're they're like nearly thirty odd thousand a week, aren't they? In the, the league there, and they just can't seem to get out of that League One. They've been in there a number of years now, so that's going to be exciting for them in the uh, in the playoffs. But but no, Luton Town, another team I can remember when they were in the top flight. Um, mm. That's an awful long time ago, isn't it? So that'd be massive for them if they was to come up to uh, to the Premiership. So it should be really exciting over the next few weeks. See how the, the playoffs pan out. I mean, the playoffs are tremendous, aren't they? They're really, really exciting. You know, the two-legged games and then obviously final as well. There's always some tremendous matches in that. So it's going to be a real buzz to see who, who comes up from that championship. Yeah, Sunderland are a really big club as well, aren't they? They kind of when look at back at them two divisions, Paul. There's there's loads of big clubs, isn't there? Um, Portsmouth are down in in the League One, Sheffield Wednesday, um, yeah, Charlton. You know, all these sort of ex uh, Bolton or Portsmouth, yeah, all, all ex Charlton. They're all ex kind of um, Premier League teams who have who have kind of sort of went by the wayside after a few years and, and lost a bit of money and now mm. sort of struggling. So you're kind of hoping that, that they can get back into that uh, sort of promotion uh, push and then get back to the promised land. Because when you look down the sort of the Premier League sort of table now, you, you'd never kind of like guess, you know, the people in that mid-table are, are in sort of would be in mid-table when, you know, we the Premier League started 20 years ago, the likes of, uh, you know, Brentford. Um, and and Burnley and Wolves, you know, these teams were never mid-table teams, if you know what I mean. They were all kind of first division, but look at them now. That's right, Ipswich Town's another one. Yeah, Ipswich Town were always like a top-flight club when I was yeah, a yeah. kid growing up and, and what have you. And, and I know Norwich City was as well, and they're mm. in there now, but they've been a big yo-yo club. But I think if you go down and look at look at Oldham Athletic, you know, the way they did this, demise they've been on and if you go through like the the um the national league as it's called now the old conference the amount of teams that have dropped out of the football league and just gone into the abyss and, and never come back Notts county another one i mean i can remember when they were a top flight team mm-hmm. and um yeah they're, they're out of the league now at them i think and chesterfield teams like that and you know stockport county i mean you look at them they're getting like over 10 11 000 every week and they, they look like they're on the way back don't they so uh, wrexham another one dropped out of the football league so it's there has been a big shift hasn't there over the last decade or so of teams moving in and out and Portsmouth another one you, you mentioned there won the FA Cup didn't they and they, they've sort of dropped right down the uh, down the food chain now so there has been a big shift in, in teams and you know sides like Bournemouth I can remember them being in like the bottom league and they've done really well haven't they to come up into the, the, the premiership and alright they've got gone back down now but they, they're probably going to be coming back up again aren't they so Brentford is a, another one they've really punched above the weight and and done the business and it just shows you don't, if you can play the right sort of football 
don't have to spend billions and billions of pounds on players. You can you can compete at that level. So um, it's all about the football you play on the pitch. So it's been good to see the, these sides come up and do well. Because if you remember back, maybe 90s, 2000s, teams had come up from the championship. And it, 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 a lot of the times it was the same three that would go straight back down again, wasn't it? But that seems to be a bit rarer now. Teams can come up and they can hold their own, can't they? You can. They can, Paul, and obviously that's what it's all about because these teams need dreams, don't they? And, uh, you know, getting to a Premier League and getting into that sort of uh, mid-table security um, generates money. But then, obviously, you generates money, you have to spend the money to get bigger and better players, don't you? And that's where the, the problem is because if you start dropping out of the Premier League with a huge wage bill, um, which you can't just sort of write off when you do go down, and that's when your problems happen, isn't it? Really, and that's probably one of the problems that Man United have sort of uh, really had in the last few years. Players who have uh, have come in on big wages and not really performed, and the guy in charge of that, Matt Judge, the transfer negotiator, uh, is leaving the club at the end of the end of the year. Paul, um, he's had some good moments, but he's also had a few ropey ones. Yeah, it's been a disappointing season for Manchester United, hasn't it? It's been a bit of an up and down season for them, and you know what's going to happen in the in the close season. You, you expected them to the new manager to get a bit of a war chest of money, I believe he's been promised, and you just hope they can spend that money wisely and get back into uh, to competing because at the moment they're in danger of not even you know getting into that top four, aren't they? Sort of drifting away from it at the moment. Got a massive game coming up. I mean, they probably have played that game. By the time this show goes out, won't they against I think Brentford on, on on Monday night? That's a big game, that a big home game. That so let's hope they've got a result from that when our listeners are listening to this. But but no, the only way is up for Manchester United at the moment. It has been a a funny season for them, funny season for their supporters, a disappointing one really. So um, I think there's good times around the corner though. You know it. This this run is not going to go on forever. I'm pretty sure Manchester United have got the resources and uh, got the backing there to to get back up there. I think it's culture, Paul. That's the that's the problem. Um, these players, for me, have just switched off, and and it's terrible to to to, to think that a Manchester United player who who wears that shirt goes out in front of eighty thousand people every week and then people watch him at home on the telly, millions of people all over the world, and these players just switch off and, and just are just going through the motions. You can't go through the motions being a Manchester United player. Every game against an opposition is a cup final for them. So you have to be on your game every week. If you're not, they will come and they will beat you. And this group of players, I think, are kind of beginning to realise that and I don't think they want it. I don't think they want it enough to be a Manchester United player. I know, uh, obviously, Hentag will come in uh, next season and he has his own ideas on, on what he expects uh, from his players and it will be interesting to see how our players react because, obviously, there will be still people still in the contract and I always talk a lot of players going out, uh, you know, and and are you know wanting to leave Manchester United, so it'll be interesting to see who stays, who comes in, and how he can sort of uh, mould everyone together. I think the, it might sound harsh, but I think the phrase "stealing the living" could be quite <laughs> yeah. quite good for Manchester United at the moment because a lot of them are just picking a wage up. Hmm. And I use the comparison of of, of Salford Rugby League quite a lot, and I'm thinking about our game at the weekend and the amount of players we had out injured. We went to a champion side in St. Helens 
and, and and as I've said to you before, sport is very much in the head. A lot of it. Mm. Those players, there was no way they should have competed in that game. Really, I mean, on form, we had a twenty-four point start on the coup, and Bucky's are normally right, but the players, they rose to the occasion. And, and believed in themselves. And I think when you do that as a player, it doesn't matter if they're, they're better players than you. You can hold your own and sometimes you'll get that result. But, we, but Manchester United don't need to to hold their own. They've got the quality. Um, so I think a lot of it's a mental thing, as you say there. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. You're just hoping the new regime, they'll get the right people in. Um, and the, the people who want to play for the club, people with the right mentality. And um, you know, and mould the team like you know what Sir Alex had, because the, he had players there who'd, who'd run through the big brick wall for you, and and and, and it was proud to play for Manchester. United. You know, listen to people like Roy Keane and Gary Neville. You know, you still hear a lot on the television. And I'm not a Manchester United supporter, but I listen to those guys, and you can hear it in their voices. They they're hurting, aren't they? You know, when they they commentate or they they they, they do their punditry on Manchester United because they they probably can't believe how how things have gone and. You know how things have gone downhill. So, um, and when you see players not put putting it in, it's it's not right at all. As the amount of money these players are getting paid, and you're not sticking the hundred percent, and it's it's wrong. It is wrong. You're ripping off those people who are can't afford to watch you really, but you know lay out money every week to to go and watch you. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope Manchester United get things right in the in the summer and and start picking up again. Yeah, current um, temporary coach. Ralph Angwick um, has announced he's going to be managing Austria um, for the next couple of years while consulting at Manchester United. What, what do you think of that, Paul? Obviously, Man United is in a lot of uh, lot of problems going at Manchester United behind the scenes, and he feels he can coach Australia, uh, sorry, Austria's national team, and also solve the problems going on behind the scenes. Um, is it a good idea? You think to mix the two? Um, I can only go off like sort of our sport, really, rugby league. I mean, people have tried to do it before, haven't they? You know, do two jobs in, in rugby and, you know, you're doing an international job and you're doing this as well. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can concentrate on two. I, I think you you can only put your 100% commitment into to one thing, really, because there's not enough hours in the day, is there? Um, you'd just be taking your eye off the ball. So I don't know if he can do it. Yeah, he might be. I, I don't think I could. If that was me, I couldn't do sort of two jobs. That's just the person I am. I'd have to focus on one thing because you'd feel like you were neglecting something else, wouldn't you? And have your eye on that. So, so I, I think it'd be very difficult to do that. But you know, I don't know. Ralph, he, he might be uh, one of these people who can who can juggle a lot of plates and what have you. But I can't. I know that with my life, I have to focus on one thing. Otherwise, I. I get a panic about things and start worrying and I have to write everything down as it is. So, uh, so it'd be difficult for someone like me to do that. Mm. I just think Manchester United is a massive club and it's, I don't think you've got the time, really. I know he's got to coach the Austria's national team and, you know, I suppose there's only games every few months, but it's pressure in it. You know, you're just going to step out from your role and I'll be back in two, two or three weeks three weeks plus he's got to go and watch these Austrians and he to figure out who wants to play in yeah, of course the, uh, have, yeah. the, the national yeah. team who's good enough to play for, for the Austrian national team so he's got to take time away from Man United to watch all these Austrians running around so it's it's really I can't see it working and, and, it, and it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for me that he, he came on in the press conference and says oh this is a problem this is a problem this is a problem we need open heart surgery to sort the club out and then 
two days later, yeah, I'm going to manage Austria. I mean, I mean, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, like you say, international football is totally different from club football, but it's a lot more than just you know going managing that side every every now and again whenever they play a friendly once every couple of months because, like you say, you've got to be watching those players all the time, haven't you? Mm. Preparing or going watching the club sides that they play for and a lot of travelling about, isn't it? As well, so they don't they don't all play over in the Premiership, did it? So, uh, so no, I think there's a lot more to it than just a, a game every couple of months. It's it's a massive role, isn't it? Coaching an international football team and obviously the job at Manchester United is massive as well. There's, there's an awful lot of work to be done there. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh, be interesting to see how that one pans out yeah it will be interesting to see what happens there obviously looking at other news Nemanja Matic has decided that he'll leave Manchester United um, had a great career Matic um, not particularly shone fantastically at United but he has been a kind of a solid performer when given the opportunity classic player that if you would have had him five years before he came he might have made an impact but it is what it is he's done his he's done his time and we wish him all the best yeah, that's right. He, he, like you say, he's done his time, and I'm sure there'll be the other players, uh, you know, waiting in the wings to take his his place. And mentioned before about the recruitment that's probably going to happen in the the, the summer. I would have thought Manchester United are going to make some serious signings, some serious statement signings, and and yeah, we'll have to see how, how it pans out. I'm sure they've got targets and, and people who they're uh, they're looking at at the moment, and uh, and yeah, I, I'm sure they'll, they'll bring some impressive players, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah, let's talk Salford City now. Uh, Paul, um, 10th in the league, don't play till Monday. Um, they've got Mansfield at home on Monday and Stevenage away, last two games of the season. 10th in the league, they are five points adrift of the playoffs uh, with Swindon in seventh. So it is going to be a difficult call for Gary Bowyer's men to make the playoffs this year. It is, yeah. It's not. It's probably out of their hands a bit now, really, isn't it? Probably depending on other scores. If they win, all they can do is is win their two games and then hope for the best, can't they? And you know, if 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 they don't make the playoffs, they've had a, a solid season, haven't they? And uh, you know, seem to be finding a bit of consistency now under the manager Gary Boy. I mean, let's not forget they've, they've changed the manager quite a few times over the last few years. I think it's about time now that they they knuckle down and, and consolidate it under one guy. Seems like they have done, and you know, give uh, Gary a full pre-season. You know, let him recruit well and invest their money wisely, and then and make a go for it next season. That that league that they're in is a very very tough league to get out of. There's some good sides in that league, isn't there? And you know, you've seen this season how old them have struggled. I mean, they, they've they've gone out of the league. Rochdale, another one of our local sides, are nowhere near Salford City. So uh, you know, Salford have probably been the the best side in, in the local area, really, in that league. So, uh, so yeah, it's a tough league to get out of. As I say, they've, they've only been in it a couple of seasons, haven't they? You know, and they've done remarkably well. And I think it's, you know, it's one step at a time. I know they've got this plan of getting somewhere in sort of five years, but sometimes those plans, you know, take a bit longer, don't they? It's not easy. It's a massive step coming up from from non-league football into, you know, league league two and league league one There's, as you mentioned before you look at that league one look at the sides in there Ipswich Town Sunderland teams like that how can Salford compete with Sunderland when they're getting like 35 40,000 every week mm. it's it's madness the, the, it, football is at that level is is huge now you know um, that that league one league two it's it's a big step so Salford have done remarkably well 10th place wherever they end up They've got to, you know, go for it and try again next season. But it's no mean feat. They've, uh, they've, they've done pretty well over the last few years, I think. 
Yeah, building the future, obviously. There is talk of them going to the AGA Bell. Uh, that'll increase, increase their revenue streams. And obviously, you'd have to be looking at maybe possibly sort of increasing that. But they will have to increase their home attendances to do that, Paul, because obviously they do kind of average the same as a rugby team at the moment. So they, they will need to be looking at picking up that uh, Salford general public to come and watch them. But we all know with football, it's it's a lot of money to go to watch football week in, week out, um, especially the higher up you go in the divisions. And it will be interesting to see uh, what the, the class of 92 can do to obviously help grow the club uh, to be a sort of real force in that division and in the local area in the, last, in the next few years. It's going to be difficult in the local area. I mean, I'm not so sure whether the crowds are as good as Salford Rugby's, to be honest. I think well, they are about 2,000, maybe 3,000. Mm. So they're probably similar, aren't they? But um, you've, you've got massive football clubs in there, haven't you? Manchester United, Manchester City, we've had to compete with as, as a rugby club for a long yep. time now. And for, for a new sort of kid on the block, if you like, in Salford City, I know they've been going a long time, but not at this sort of professional stage where they are now in a football league. It's difficult then to get crowds. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of friends who where I live who watch Rochdale football, Oldham football, and it's difficult for them to compete, really, because if you're in this sort of area, of sort of North Manchester and Malmö, there, you know, nine times out of ten people watch Manchester City or watch Manchester United because they're the, the big sides. There's not many people who want to go and invest in, in lower league football because you've not got that glamour. I mean, obviously, you always get your diehards who, who, who go week in, week out and who've followed that side for 30, 40 years. But those people are a rare breed, really. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be difficult for Salford City to, um, to, to increase their attendances. But like you say, if they were to move to the AJ Bill, it's a bit more glamorous, isn't it, than, than where they're playing at the moment. It's a big stadium. Um, would that increase the crowds? I think you'd, you'd naturally increase the crowds of promotion. As I've said before, if you move into that League One, you're playing some big sides in there, aren't you? You'd probably bring some big away support as well. So that's going to uh, help the coffers. But uh, but it's a difficult work in progress, isn't it? Competing in the, in the northwest of England, there's so much going on. There is so much going on, whether it's sport, culture, you name it. There's, there's that cosmopolitan, this area that we live in. Um, it's very hard to attract the tenanters. Yeah. So that's all the the football chat. Now we'll talk uh, ice hockey. Yes, mate. It's a bit, been a big week at uh, Manchester Storm. They've uh, had some big changes, Rob. I'll let you talk us through them. Yeah. Ryan Finney resigns as head coach of Manchester Storm. Big uh, moment, really, for the Storm. He's been there um, since 2017, um, you know, being uh, the head coach of, of the team, producing fine talent, fine pharmacies. Started uh, his first season, finishing second in the division. Um, his worst um, sort of performances in his sort of period at Manchester Storm uh, was in 2018 and this year where they, where they finished ninth, Paul. So looking at that squad which he assembled and he's probably thought to himself, you know, I've given Manchester Storm a good, what, five years of, 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 of my life. And when you think about it, coaches come and go. So for a coach to be there for five years, it's a long time. And does that mean that the club and the, and the hierarchy wanted fresh ideas in the coaching area of the club to, to entice better players maybe and produce better performances that's the big question I think the Manchester Storm fans aren't too upset about him uh, sort of departing as the head coach but they'll be interested they'll be wondering who comes in and who takes him to that next level yeah he's now going to be a full-time general manager 
at the club. It, you know, is that a good move, do you think? Yeah, I think it's good. Obviously, you know, with, with the lack of funds and with, with the pandemic, you know, man, teams like Manchester Storm have really suffered um, to sort of generate an income. And he feels that he can help the club get back on a more financial, um, even keel. I know, obviously, the Manchester Storm uh, Storm Shelter only holds about two and a half thousand, so it's quite small in comparison to some other venues around the around the, the the country. So that's kind of limited. So I'm sure he could use all his business knowledge that he has, because um, he is quite a successful businessman as well. So he will be able to sort of use all that experience to hopefully generate some money for the Manchester Storm. Then allows coaches a new coach to come in uh, with a bit more money and, and a bit more uh, know-how um, and hopefully attract a better quality of player for the 2023 player uh, 2023 season have you any idea whose replacement's going to be rob it's all going a bit quiet that's it paul to be honest i know when when sort of coaches resign and, and are sat, there's normally like a massive uh, wave of it could be him could be him could be him but i'm not uh, not see any of that on 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 Twitter or, or on Facebook, so I think the the club are, are being very professional. They're putting the you know keeping the cards close to the chest, and I suppose as a Manchester Storm fan, you that will be a good thing really because you don't want the club to make massive statements about who they could could get and then end up getting some sort of third rate coach uh, that would really upset the, the Manchester Storm fans. But I'm going to throw one in here, Paul, because I know Matt Ginn. Uh, Manchester Storm's top uh, goalkeeper. Um, he was sort of coaching on the bench. He got injured early on the season, so he spent most of it sort of helping uh, Ryan Finney do his coaching on the sidelines. And I think is a sneaky, um, you know, thought that he might get an opportunity, maybe as the head coach, maybe as like a, an assistant, possibly to a new man that comes in. Um, but I do feel with the right kind of experience and the right kind of, you know, training and development, he could one day be a Manchester Storm head coach. That was going to be my question to you. Would they promote somebody from within? Because that tends to happen a lot in sport. There's normally somebody waiting in the wings, whether it's an assistant or, or somebody who's who's learned his craft at that club. And, and sometimes it can be good. You know, that person's already within the culture, within the fabric of the club, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because obviously they need, obviously, like you say, it's all about DNA, and it? They talk about, yeah. you know, wanting to have the same DNA run through the club and you're bringing somebody new into the club. It can go two ways. I suppose we were talking about Man United before and the DNA at Manchester United stinks now. So you need a new DNA to be brought in uh, to change that. I don't think Manchester Storm are in, in, in anywhere as much trouble as Manchester United are. So for Matt Ginn to come in and possibly be the head coach would be a good move. Um, but then it's all about experience and can he uh, motivate his players and bring the new players in. But all coaches start new, don't they, Paul? So we're sat here thinking, is he going to be the man? He's got to start somewhere. So they always talk about development clubs and, and opportunities that come along. Uh, and Matt Ginn might be uh, the right man in the right place um, for Manchester. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, Rob. So let's start rugby league now, Paul. And so for the Devils, we'll start with the men's team on Friday night. Travelled to St. Helens and lost 
14 points to 10. Uh, 42 years since we uh, since we won at St. Helens, Paul. And how close did we get uh, to winning this week? Uh, oh, about 10 yards, Rob, when Chris <laughs> Atkin was brought down with that yeah. interception. But no, it was, it was a, a, let's just, you know, it was a marvellous performance from Salford. I mean, the amount of players that we had out injured, it was, I'm mean, not making excuses, every team has injuries, but we had, you know, probably about 10 guys out of the first team, quality players who, who you know, would have probably been a shoe in if they'd have been fit. But you got to hand it to the, the players who played. I mean, Matty Costello had come back. He was supposed to be out on a season-long loan. He came back, you know, the other week and he's been tremendous last few weeks. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be sending him back out on loan. I'd be keeping him at the club. I think he's been been great. Morgan Esgrade had come in and took Ryan Braley's place because he was injured. We lost Elijah Taylor from the Wigan game. And, you know, Amir Burrow had come in as well to make his debut. And, you know, say, they were the massive favourites for this game. You know, the sun was out. It was a lovely night. And you sort of rolled up at the ground and thought, yeah, we're in for a bit of a tonking here. But that didn't happen. You know, the, the the team came out and I thought they defended absolutely fearlessly. They stopped St. Helens in the tracks. They didn't let them get started. They got in their faces and, and they made the game so difficult for St. Helens. I mean, Saturday morning, they, those players at Saints must have known they'd been in a game because it, it was crash-bang wallet, wasn't it? It was like a playoff game, the intensity of it. All credit to Salford. They, they threw the ball around. As I said, they defended great, but they, they seemed to have um, no fear on attack as well just took chances, just offloaded and played with a real sort of swashbuckling style, which was, was great to watch. It was a fantastic game. It really was. And, you know, but for a, a great tackle from uh, from Morgan Knowles, we, which probably would have took the game to at least extra time. I mean, we, would, we would have been kicking to win the game there at 14 apiece, but great game. Absolutely great game. But just a, a real cruel ending for the second week running. You've know, been away to Wigan and St. Helens and a bit unlucky not to, to get something out of either game, really. Mm. Paul Rowley was was pleased with his team performance after the last uh, few weeks. You spoke to his assistant, Kurt Haggerty, uh, after the game. This is what he had to say. Right, just by, joined by Kurt Haggerty. Yeah, fresh from that defeat. It's it's pretty raw, isn't that? I bet in the dressing rooms. You, lads gave absolutely everything tonight. And you can't ask any more. I, I thought they were fearless. No, yeah, they're hurting in there. It feels very similar to Wigan in the changing room because we competed, but we didn't win. The, the, we've got a very good group. and They, they recognise that they should have won the game. They competed, but it wasn't enough. You went toe-to-toe with St. Helens. It was a bit like a playoff sort of intensity game with the amount of players you've got out at the moment. I mean, I think it's about nine or ten players who could have played tonight who were injured or, you know, off the salary cap, as Paul says. For those lads to come in, like Amir Borough came in tonight, you must be so proud of them. And Is that something you can take forward now? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's why you have a squad. You know, people like Amir coming in, Chris Atkin, Morgan Eskery, just coming in and adding value to the squad. Being even when the difficult moments when they're not playing, but when they step in, sticking to what we believe in. I thought that the credit to themselves tonight. How tough has this period been? I mean, many people wrote the club off for the game against Wigan and Saitlands. I mean, really, you could have won both the games. So as it took a lot out of me, you see the players day to day. What are they like at the moment? Is this this week rest going to? It must be a blessing in disguise, really. No? Yeah, it's much needed. It's much needed. The Easter's tough enough as it is, and. We've been gone through a period where we've lost three back rules, we've not brought nobody in. So we've had to manage what we've had in camp. So for them to step in, follow the plans that we've put in place, is, is it's incredible really, because we've had it tough. One big positive has been Callum Watkins moving to the back row. How have you found that? He seems to have taken to it like he's, he's played there all his career. Well, yeah, he's just a natural rugby player, isn't he? You can probably play Callum Wings, centre 13. And he's been, I think the value you get more from Callum's off field too. 
so even when he wasn't playing the way he's, he's, he's approached to the team when not playing, stepping back in, we always knew he was a quality player, they just have value off the pitch and on the pitch. A few tough calls tonight, I'm not going to get you to like talk about them really, but Chris Atkin going through in that last minute there, Paul Rowley said it in the press conference, a bit of holding down there I thought, do you think there's a bit of injustice in that game towards Salford? I don't I hate the rule, I hate the rule. I hate the way the, the, the demon police the rule. I totally agree with Paul. I think it's, it needs changing to get the better for the game. How, how frustrating is it for you with the six to goals as well? I mean, I know Paul's not a big fan of it. I don't, I'm not at all because it, sometimes you don't even seem to know what they're for. You just sort of at the, the referee's beck and call and your crowd gets on his back and they'll, they'll just blow it for that. And then the players are doing sort of constant sets of six tackling, aren't they? Well, if there was an advantage offensively off the back of it, I could half understand, but everybody just goes one player back in and resets. So, so there's no benefit to it. And the the indifference within the penalties you don't know whether it's too fast too slow they're just so hard to please so again I think it's another poor rule you're looking forward to some home games because we just seem to have played so many away from home this season you must be looking forward to getting back to the AJ Bill in a couple of weeks yeah it makes a big difference it makes a big difference for our home fans and especially for the players too we're, we're looking forward to getting back home and putting a showcase on certainly Kurt well thanks very much for speaking to us tonight you deserve all the credit in the world tonight I thought you were the guys were fantastic thank you mate cheers thank you so that was Kurt Haggard to talk to yourself Paul after the game and what did he make of it? Yeah, he was disappointed but I think they were proud, they were both proud of Paul Rowley and Kurt when we spoke to him, weren't they, about the the, the performance of the, of the players. I mean, no one gave us a, a prayer going there. I, I, the, the players probably surprised Kurt and Paul. I mean, I know they've got, they've got faith in them but nobody really expected that performance and if we can sort of bottle that up now and take that into the games we've got coming up, I know we need a bit of a rest now this week with the Challenge Cup just to, to get the players a bit of a breather and get some freshness back into the squad. I think the players just need that, that, that time off this break it's probably come at a great time for us. And they've got two home games coming up against Leeds and Cass. And if we can play anywhere near that sort of intensity and that sort of level of commitment and skill that we played at St. Helens, we can win both those games. But for us, we've got to to nail it like that. We can't come into that game against Leeds and underestimate Leeds or play half-cooked or off the pace because we'll get beat. And then, so the, at the end of the day, we've played Wigan and, and Saints there. It doesn't matter how, how much you... you you, you say about how great the performance was. We lost, so we didn't get the points. So we have now got to turn that round and get two victories or or at least get a victory against Leeds and then build for the cast game because you can't keep going to the well and saying, oh yeah, we did all right, we played well. But we're down there now. Leeds have got above us in the table. We're down there with Toulouse and Wakefield. So we've got to start turning the corner and winning matches. So I think that game against St. Helens has give the players a massive confidence boost to say, yeah, you, you can do this. You can do this. You know, you've gone there and, and challenged the champions and probably for long periods of that game, we were the better side, you know, and um, it's just a shame. No disrespect to Chris Atkin. If Ken Seward would have intercepted that, he'd probably <laughs> have the pace to score. But, you know, I'm not uh, having a go at Chris Atkin. I thought he was tremendous in that game. Him and Brodie Croft at halfback gave St. Helens so many problems. The same they, way they give Wigan problems the week before. So, you know, Mark Sneed, he's going to have a tough time to get back into the team because uh, those two have done really well. So there's some great performances. I thought Jack Armour was absolutely immense. A real tower of strength going forward. His defence was ferocious. Callum Watkins has been an absolute revelation in the second row. So, so many positives to take out of the game, Rob. I mean, I came away... Me and you walked out of the ground, didn't we? we? Had a little chat on our way back to the car park, and I think we were both we were both disappointed, but I think we were very proud and, and sort of had a spring in our step as well, didn't we? Because of the way the the team had played. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the next game.
Yeah, the reserves were in action. They drew 34 all at the AJ Bell Stadium. Fantastic match, Paul. Both sides throwing the ball about. Um, unfortunately, Cass scored at the death uh, to tie the scores. But Danny Barton's men will be sort of happy uh, that they put in a good performance. Yeah, he did it. Sound, I didn't make it to the game. I know you made it to the game. And it sounded an absolute cracker, didn't it? And a bit of a confusion with the scoreline. He wasn't too <laughs> yeah. sure of the score at the end. But no, it sounded a belting game. And, uh, you know, Danny Barton's got the players playing really well there. And I know they had a few players, they had a couple of players in from Rochdale aren't it? didn't they coming in to play yep. for them as well so uh, so that's exciting you know some of the local clubs sort of lending us a bit of their talent and all getting the experience as well so uh, and I believe there's a lot of people there to see it as well good crowd down there so yeah things are looking great aren't they at Salford at the moment and you know there's a real buzz around the club I know we're not in a great vein of form for the first team but you know there is a buzz around the club and the club's going in the right direction so I'm, I'm very pleased with the way the reserves have been playing yeah, let's talk about the ladies' side, Paul. They were in a yeah. nines tournament in Warrington this weekend. Unfortunately, um, failed to progress through to the, fa- the finals uh, qualifying of the tournament, which will be held at the AJ Bell in July. But they did win two out of three. They beat Alton 31-21. Then they beat Castle for Tigers, who had a Super League side, 26 points to four. Unfortunately, in the final game against Huddersfield Giants, who were shield runners-up last season uh, to Featherstone uh, ladies, uh, Salford went down 24 points to 14. So Chris Bates, ladies, doing themselves proud and the club as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah I mean, you just said they're beating Castleford. Castleford ladies are... Quite a good side out there. I've certainly seen them play before, and Huddersfield as well are quite an established club, aren't they? In in ladies rugby league, so that's no mean feat. They've won two out of the three. They're just unfortunate they couldn't get that that third victory. But again, making so much progress, aren't they? And uh, great to see another great tournament, another great weekend of rugby league. You know, last weekend we had uh, all the sides representing Salford playing, didn't we? We had the uh, the learning disabilities team and you know the ladies team, the first team playing an epic game on Channel Four. So everyone was sort of. Uh, waxing lyrical about us weren't they in the, in the media and the press and all the supporters so so yeah it's another fantastic weekend just a shame they just couldn't get that three out of three yeah the the, the people who made the final um, sort of round it would be played at the AJ Bell are Catalan York Knights Leeds Rhinos uh, Huddersfield Giants ladies and Set Ellen's ladies plus there's a wild card Paul so will Sulfur get this wild card it'd be great if they did Mm. It would be great. I think Salford ladies have been a massive story, haven't they, in in, in ladies rugby league, women's rugby league this this season. And uh, you know, let's hope that journey continues. I'd love to see them play at the AJ Bell. You know, pitting their wits against the likes of St. Helens and Leeds Rhinos. Will be interesting to see because obviously Chris uh, Chris Bates has, has moulded this team. They're going great guns in, in the League Cup. They're in the quarter final. They're unbeaten in the league so far. They've they've beaten a couple of. Uh, Super League sides in friendlies as well in the build-up. So, you know, there's there's, there's characters in this team as well. Steph Gray, I think, is Lee Moss' cousin. Um, Lucy McKeown has come from Rugby Union. She scored 12 tries in six games. Uh, Demi Jones, Louise Fellingham, who's a, a, a sort of a firefighter by day and, and a, a captain of Salford Devils by night. So there's there's the stories to be, to be told. Uh, and you just I just think there's a perfect opportunity for the rugby league to to put this uh, you know nines tournament on the map. 
Salford ladies have been like the good news story, I think. One of the mm. good news stories this year in 2022 of rugby league. The rugby league of a whole lot is just ladies rugby league. So, um, so yeah, it'd be great. Like you said, there's so many stories behind the team and so much momentum. You know, we go back to January, that first game against Swindon, it was all very new. Now it feels like they've been playing for years, doesn't it? The way uh, the results have been coming and the camaraderie in the side. And, you know, you've mentioned there the 12, 12 tries in, in six matches from uh, Lucy McEwen. It, it's, it's been brilliant. So, uh, so yeah, let's hope we get this wild card. Yeah, so let's talk about Swinton Lions. No game for them for them this week, uh, Paul. But uh, next week they face London Scholars. Uh, will be a tough contest. Two defeats on the spin for Alan Coleman's men. Need a result to to uh, to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, the Scholars have had a struggling start to the season, so you would have thought Swinton would be uh, be favourites for, for this one. They've had a tough couple of weeks uh, with defeats against North Wales and then that that defeat Keith Le Cougars. So yeah, they need to get back on track. Really, it's um, as we've mentioned every week. It's going to be a very very tough league. The uh, the League One this season with the size and they know rock. Still won again at the weekend. I think Oldham were beaten. Um, North Wales had another big win. They beat West Wales, so they're uh, I think they're currently top of the table. Doncaster have had a result, so there's a lot of sides there. All cl- there's quite a bit of a divide in that league. You've got like some London Scholars and, and West Wales who are really struggling, and, and Cornwall who are a new side, and then you've got some sides that are going to be challenging at the top. So a bit of a bit of a gap in the middle. But Swinton, yeah, they they'll want to uh, get a result. Yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, what happens. Obviously, Alan Coleman. Um, the team relegated last season come down into this division. Uh, they're expecting to sort of, sort of go on a bit of a run, but obviously these two league sort of league defeats have put a bit of a sort of a dampener on that. But you're hoping they can sort of find a way back in, Paul, with like a minute to go. Um, obviously important that they, they start winning, especially against the London Scholars. Yeah, it's, it's not a long season either, is it? There's not that many games when you when you tot, tot them all up so uh, so yeah they need to start winning and get back on that roll I'm sure they will they've got the players there haven't they Haywood uh, Road they've made that a bit of a fortress down it's a tough place to go so I, I'd expect them to beat London Scholars and then back, back on a winning run Challenge Cup this week Paul who's your, who's your idea to go through to the final in 30 seconds I'd like to see Huddersfield go through I'd like to see them get through and uh, Ian Watson take his side to Tottenham um, and I think I'd like to see Wigan get through <laughs> not a big fan of St Helens so uh, so I'd like a Wigan and uh, Huddersfield final but you know good luck to all the sides all care another good club as well so I think it'd be good to see them get to get to the, the, the final but I'm sure there'll be two cracking semi-finals I'm really looking forward to watching them yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, rugby league, you know, the women's game, the men's game, it's all growing uh, and we're all obviously covering it live on the Sports Zone on Salford City Radio every Tuesday and every Thursday. Uh, you can tune in, listen to everything we've got to say. Uh, big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat on Salford City Radio. 